father's lightsaber. What? Lightsabers, precious? Welcome to What's Lightsabers Precious, the Star Wars and Lord of the Rings Encyclopodcast, where we waste time on fictional wikis. My name is Ryan. And my name is Joanna. Ryan, how do you feel about Will Poulter? Will Poulter? I barely know her. <laughs> Who is that? I actually didn't know at first either, but apparently he was in um, Midsummer as the dickhead friend. Right, I know who, who dies. About. The actor, yes. And he was also in Bandersnatch, Black Mirror Bandersnatch. He's like the crazy guy who jumps off the balcony on drugs. He's all about like time is a flat circle. We ought to play video games, and your chances, your choices you make, repercussions down the line. Blah blah blah. Take some drugs. Oh, I'm all high now. You ever think that you're maybe you're not really alive, that we've been dead the whole time? Will you jump off the roof or I jump off the balcony? You gotta pick. And I definitely choose him, and then I felt bad because, like, it was in front of he his wife and child. It was, like, in front of his wife and child, and his wife came out of the balcony, and she's like, Oh my god! I was like, oh. I guess I should have just killed myself. I, I guess t- that's the lesson of Bandersnatch. If you have a choice, just kill yourself. This is the Netflix game, Just by the KYS. Way. The, the- Everybody knows what Bandersnatch is, Ryan. Alright, just saying. Just saying. Well, Will Poulter was tentatively in talks to be cast in Amazon's Lord of the Rings show, but he is out of talks now. Well, I can't say he quit because he was never officially like hired, hired. Yeah. Um, but that's the only Lord of the Rings news I have is that Will Poulter dickhead friend from Midsummer, and guy who kills himself on drugs in Bandersnatch will not be in Lord of the Rings well he looks like an elf he kind of could have pulled it off right yeah. but now we'll never get to see he inevitably he would have been like the most asshole elf yeah yeah like almost he'd certainly be perfect at it. he's got he's british already he's he would have been like aldarion he would have been like hey horrendous have you ever like taken acid and thought about how time is like a flash circle and then he yeah. like jumps off the balcony and that's i like that changing yeah that'd be fun yeah but we'll never get to see it now do you have any star wars news yeah big news everybody Joanna, do you see me? I'm, I'm doing a dance right now. Yeah. And and the kids are kids are loving it. It's a dance. very stationary dance. No, imagine I'm dancing right now. My 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 hips are going through my arms on one side, then I kind of move my hips the other side, and they kind of go back and forth like that over and over oh, again. Oh, okay. First, I thought you were going to talk about the Pete Buttigieg dance, uh, no, but not, it I, is clearly the floss. You were talking about the floss. Um, no, because guess what? what? Star Wars has come to Fortnite. Oh my god. That's right. Fans this past week were able on or sorry, yesterday. Fans on Saturday and Fortnite were able to view some exclusive footage from the rise of Skywalker. Then afterwards, they're allowed to use lightsabers and blasters in the game, which are now going to be as part of the rotation and the weapons. I mean, like, everything else is in Fortnite at this point, right? Like, you can literally ride around on a unicorn that farts rainbows while wearing an aviator helmet and, like, get chopped in half by Thanos. That's right. That's right. Like, you can literally do, and, and you probably they probably have, like, like a my little pony makeout simulator well, in there right they now. have a brand new star wars themed gliders that were modeled off the tie whisper first order ships you can also get exclusive star wars skins including ray finn and a sith stormtrooper wow the thing is like it's not gonna fit but nothing in Fortnite fits with anything no. else you'll be like wearing a medieval suit of armor and you'll be like 
killing people with extreme frisbee, like yeah. or disc golf, yeah. like yeah. with like blades on the side of them. Yeah, like. I, I, I have it on my Switch, and I have like a Bigfoot skin, and I was able to fight Thanos with it when the Avengers event was going on. Um, they had an event that tied into uh, Batman. They had an event that had uh, added. A literal skin of John Wick to the game? Whoa! Like, you could look like Keanu? Like, two two different versions of Keanu. But was there a skin of John Wick's dog? Uh, You can get a dog in a backpack in the game. So, technically, yes. Okay. So... That's right, all you all you Zoomers and, and memers and streamers, go hop on Fortnite and uh, may the Fortnite be with, with you. With you. I once read that the best thing about Fortnite is that it keeps like all the racist 12-year-olds off other online oh, yeah, games because yeah. they're all concentrated on Fortnite. So in that sense, Fortnite, thank you for your service. That's where all the squeakers go. Yeah, all the squeakers. All right, so Joanna, it's been a few weeks. What do you have to teach me this week about... Lord of the Rings. It's it's kind of a cold month. We're in December now. I'm kind of kind of bundled up in our apartment, kind of gathered around the fire here and ready to ready to learn some things. Tell me some tales. Well, Ryan, you are right. It has been a few weeks, which means it's almost the holidays. So, with that in mind, I wanted to do something at least tangentially related to Christmas. Oh, hang on. Before we do that, happy second anniversary to our show. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we kind of blew right past that, didn't we? Because I'm pretty sure we started like a few weeks before Thanksgiving, two years ago. Yep. Two big years. Last year, we had a big fun blowout with our pals and relatives, Abby and Jack. And this year, we uh, just kind of forgot. So. Well, nobody came to visit us for Christmas, so we had or no... Thanksgiving, you mean? Or, you know, whichever. Yeah, it's not good Nobody comes that. to visit us regardless. Yeah. So we didn't have a chance, but thanks, guys, for listening for two years. Very cool of you. Very cool. Very cool. Now, Christmas. Yeah, that's coming up. Christmas means Santa. Santa is, uh, we've talked about him on this show yes. before. Yes, Christmas Tolkien's means the man in the big Christmas. red shoot. Yes, suit. The man Not with the, the bag, as the song goes. And Santa means toys. And who makes those toys? That's right, sweatshop workers in Malaysia. But for the benefit of our younger listeners, let's say it's elves. Okay, let's just say it's elves. For the benefit of any squeakers who are listening while playing Fortnite, let's say that elves make toys. And let's say the elves live at the North Pole. Does Middle Earth have an equivalent to the North Pole? Well, it has a north side and it has a globe now. We know that. Yes, yes. It it stops being flat. It has to have some kind of axis it's rotating around and it would... But is there land there? Uh, What's well, the most North, North Polish place in Middle Earth? That's basically the question we Earth, aim to not, answer now. It's not really land up there. It's ice. Ryan, I know. <laughs> I know. So, but um, Santa lives there. There's people living there. That's the difference. Wait, there's a workshop. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say that yes, there is. Yes. The answer, as the question basically presupposes, is yes. Forodwaith. It's called Forodwaith. Foradwaith was the region of the northern waste. Foradwaith sounds give me festive. Forad night, floss, 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 floss. I swear to God, if there's one more Fortnite reference, like this podcast ain't making it to three years. All right, all right, all right. So Foradwaith was the name of the icy tundra in the northern parts of Middle Earth, and especially of the Great Ice Bay and the lands that surrounded it. So it was basically Tolkien's version of Scandinavia, because of course Tolkien had a version of Scandinavia, because like he is such the dude that would like idolize Vikings. Isn't a big chunk of Middle Earth already kind of his Scandinavia? It's already kind of yeah. It's got like dwarves and trolls and stuff, and that's all very Norwegian. 
Norwegian and... Well, this is more like, uh, for example, if you played Lord of the Rings online, that whole area of the map is like heavily influenced by the Sami people right. of yeah, Finland yeah. and stuff. Like it's yeah. very, it's significantly further north. Gotcha. Um, the interesting thing about Forridwaith was that while it was only 100 leagues north of the Shire, and don't ask me how long a league is because like I don't freaking travel like under the sea. Let me look it up. Let me tell you. Hold Tell me how thought. long a league right, is. keep talking. I'm going to look at please. All right. So it was only 100 leagues north of the Shire, however far that is. And despite this, unlike the Shire, it was an era prone to long winters and severe cold. All right. A league is 3.42, or sorry, 3 point, like three and a half miles. Okay. Okay. So it was like 350 miles north of the Shire. Not an appreciable, a long distance well, if you're on foot by or horseback. on a pony. Yeah. Yes. But not an appreciable distance. Like, like I drive further to go visit my grandma. Right. right? Um, so despite this, it was extremely ball-blastingly cold. And this was due in part to its proximity to something called the Gap of Ilmen. As well as its proximity to Morgoth's, quote, evil cold, which emanated in ancient times from his place of dwelling and lingered still into the Third Age. Now, Did he he have that? I don't remember. He had that, yeah. Uh, It has not come up before, but apparently he was so evil that his house and everything around it was super cold. And it just lingered. It's like, imagine if our neighbor um, moved out and the weed cloud still lingered for like hundreds of years afterwards. Yikes, okay. Because his weed powers were so strong. And they are strong. Um, The apartment complex authorities have talked to him several times. Now, I had not heard of the Gap of Ilmen before, or at least I can't remember having heard of it, so I looked it up. Well, I've heard of the the Old Navy of Ilmen. I've heard of the The uh, Gap. Yeah, I've heard of the Forever Ilmen. I've definitely heard of the, um, what do you call it? Oh my God. You're so good at this. I'm so good at at improv, right? I'm so good at yes and. The the cold. What the hell is the place? That it like it's fast fashion, but it's supposed to be like fancier. H and M. H and M. H and M. Yes, and also my yes and game is on yes point this morning. Also, Absolutely. Uh, yes, and also a store whose name I cannot remember for the life I'm of so me. Glad. I'm so glad. Now, prior to the end of the Second Age, Ilmen was a region of clean air pervaded by light, apparently, which sounds nice. Like, mm-hmm. kind of like Arizona, except Arizona is also pervaded by racism. Uh, the okay. stars and other celestial bodies are, quote, in Ilmen. So what the hell does that mean? Because it's supposed to be like a round mm-hmm. planet. Yeah, what's up with that? Well, it means that the moon passes through Ilmen on its way around the world, plunging down oh. the chasm of Ilmen on its return. On. That would mess up the gravity of the whole dang place. That would that would mess the tides. Yeah, so I was under the impression... This is part of Arda, you're saying. Yes, I was under the impression that Arda became round, and then the moon traversed it, similar to the way the moon traverses the Earth today, but no, apparently it passes through the center of it like it's just a big cosmic donut. is there a hole in the middle of Arda? You tell me what it sounds like. Does it not sound like there's a hole? Yeah, it sounds like there's a hole, but that's like a ring then. That's more like a torus. Yeah. That isn't... That's... Hmm... So, yes, obviously this is very puzzling. I am not exactly sure how this is supposed to work. And I suspect that this was one of those parts that Tolkien kind of workshopped and it changed over time. And so it's not entirely consistent. He might have forgot about it. Kind of like his cool story about the two lamps and them building it on ice because they didn't know what ice was. So so if I'm... But then the orbit doesn't even make sense. If it passes through the middle of the planet of Arda, right? Yes. Like... The day and night cycle is not going to happen to half of the planet. That's 
Well, Unless it goes like a figure eight, but that would even be weirder. <laughs> I guess the moon is doing a figure eight. It's doing, yeah, it's it's doing two sow cows in a triple. You imagine thinking of here where it's like a donut, but then I'm thinking, yes. Yes, okay. But then, like, like the, the infinity other side symbol. Here, the, like the edges of the donut are going to get no light at all or very little. Oh my, okay, that, imagine this. Now Mobius have your mom, okay. have your mind blown by this. All right. What if the earth is like a Mobius strip? Oh no. Oh, no. And the moon is just continually spiraling around, except not because it says that it's like a globe. Tolkien said it's like a globe. Tolkien, yeah, so it like it like doesn't really make sense, but like let's just go with it. Okay. Ryan, let me let me let me. I was gonna say let me let me put forth this proposition. Yeah, Tolkien was not um, an astronomer. (laughs) Let me just say that. All right, so. The moon passes through Ilmen on its way around the world, plunging down the chasm of Ilmen on its return. You're just going to have to accept that. Uh, yeah, I'm there. Tolkien likely derived the name Ilmen from Ilma, the Finnish word for air. And I guess it was like really cold air because it was Ilma, okay. maybe the vacuum of space, if you can conceptualize well, it. I personally can't. We have an atmosphere around it's it just like, the center of the earth. Well, it's just like this big hole that the moon drops through or something i don't know i don't think it was extant by the third age i hope i I don't think as far as i could tell no um you know bilbo and and his pals never made mention of the moon like dropping straight through a hole in the earth so mess up the tides all the gravity ryan i think what tolkien's intention is is for you to not think about that i guess it's a fantasy world and i shouldn't think about it too now even if it was not a big drafty hole that the moon dropped through let's set that aside morgoth's former dominion over over forward wave had the after effect of making it an eternally frigid land. Even after the fall of the first Dark Lord and his realm, the lands of the north retained their freezing temperatures and made living there about as comfy as a liquid nitrogen anima. And yet people did live there. More on that in a minute. Why do people keep doing that? Do I mean, why know. do we live in goddamn Michigan? Like, clearly yeah. human beings aren't supposed to live here. Like, it's cold and dark literally half the year. It gets down to minus 40 and we still have to go to work. This is an objectively stupid place to live. Um, I, for, Fordwaith, Fordwaith, uh, Fornost was the capital of Arthodyne. Uh, yeah, so the people of Fordwaith, I, I can only assume they got stuck in Fordwaith the same way I got stuck in Michigan. Their dad took a job in the construction industry in Michigan when they were two years old and then quit six weeks later and they've been stuck there ever since. That's all I can assume. You're never stuck, babe. You can get out of here anytime. I have, and then I just keep coming back, yeah. glutton for punishment, me. Now, after the War of Wrath and the breaking of the world, you'll remember that a huge part of Middle-earth just, like, broke off and vanished forever, right? Like, yeah. Balerion, just gone. gone. And the coastline of Middle-earth moved, like, many, 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 many miles inland. Right. Now, at that time, the Iron Mountains, which was where Morgoth's fortress of Atumno had been, were mostly destroyed. And the area of Foradwaith that lay north of Eriador, uh, i.e. the Eriador where the hobbits live, became known as Forachel, together with the Great Bay and Cape that carried the same name. So the Cape of Forachel, the Bay of Forachel, the Ice Bay of Forachel. Oh, okay. You might vaguely Ice remember Bay that name. And if you don't, right. don't worry. Uh, the Bay of Forachel was icebound during its long winters. The northernmost Blue Mountains stood on the southwest of the bay. Now, further east, the south part of Forwardwaith was fenced in by the Misty Mountains. All right, so we're getting geography here. If you guys... You guys Tolkien pull, loves geography, so I'm just putting it in. Pull up a map, guys. So. The Gray Mountains and the Iron Hills. If you're not looking at a map every time you listen to this podcast, I don't know how to help you because I can. there's only so much I convey, can convey verbally. Even if you're listening to old driving, pull up a map. Pull up a map. You're already... You're, you're on your damn phone all the time anyway. It's like those... Um, those 
for-profit college commercials that we get on daytime TV yeah. in Detroit. Just call us up. You're on the phone all day anyway. Come on. Come on. Come on, man. It's like making a lot of assumptions about me. Now, uh, the evil realm of Angmar, which was there from 3rd Age 1300 to 3rd Age 1975, was based in the northernmost Misty Mountains, and from there it was able to dominate a significant part of Foradwaith. We've talked about this before. Yes. Now, you remember last time when I was talking about Angmar making the kingdom of Arnor its proverbial bitch? Yeah. Well, Foradwaith was right next door to Arnor, so it kind of sucked living there, too. Which brings us to the people who actually lived there. This is the most important part. I don't care about the geography. I don't, I don't, I don't look at the map. Well, if you don't care it. about the geography, I do not recommend a book called Lord of the Rings. Or, well, no, Lord of the Rings, uh, more so the Silmarillion. Yeah, yeah. Because that is yeah. like 99% geography. I can look now, at a dang map. I don't need it in word form. Now, Forward Waith was inhabited by the Lossoth, a hardy tribe of men descended from question mark who they come from Who's well we're, we're pretty sure they weren't edain or elf friends so does that mean they were wild men uh but wild men in tolkien are usually depicted as shit stirrers like the haradrim the easterlings the dunlendings etc yeah and the lossoth aren't depicted as bad they mostly just don't want to get bullied by the witch king of angmar one wiki article says that the Lawsoth were, quote, a remnant of the ancient people of Foradwaith, about whom not much can be known. It can be assumed that the Lawsoth flourished well outside the Numenorean sphere of influence, and they suffered from Angmar, causing their remnants to retreat, end quote. Now, I think what that means is Tolkien just didn't write about them and didn't really think about them that <laughs> You think hard. they were a plot device? Is that what you're thinking? Because yeah. they are mentioned... <laughs> Beginning when they actually impact the men of Arnor and are immediately never mentioned again. Never mentioned again I saw a feeling yes. about that. That sounds about right. <laughs> now, basically, the Lossoth, as they are characterized by Tolkien, were scared shitless of the Witch King, and they believed he could control weather elements like frost and thaw. I mean, to be fair, Morgoth does have a very cold place. Yes, it is very cold, but the Witch King, we as modern people, know that the uh, historical yeah. Witch King's only powers were screeching and fighting real good. But this is a hunter-gatherer society we're talking about. So the Lulsoth were so scared of the Witch King's Queen Elsa ice powers that at some point in history they retreated to the Cape of Forichel, which was so awful and inaccessible that the Witch King's goons basically couldn't get there and the Witch King had to let it go. Ah, I knew you were going to say that. But I'm um, ch- now, stick a pin in that, and let's talk Losoth culture for a minute. The Losoth were also called snowmen, because, oh. like, the, I don't know, Arnor, men, men of Arnor were very creative, and they were men who lived in the snow. And to make a new one, you had to just make them, and they put a hat on it, and then they dance around <laughs> with the... Happy birthday! <laughs> new, a, new one, a new snowman. Now, okay, here's the thing. There must have been so I rewatched Frosty the Snowman. There must Snowman. be some magic in the old top hat, <laughs> <they found. laughs> don't you think? When they put it on his head, he began to dance around. Now I distinctly remember there being a part of that movie where the kids Frosty is melting. The kids take him into a greenhouse like idiots, and he starts melting faster. Now I recently rewatched Frosty, and that does not happen. I believe in there. it's in Frosty Returns. Okay, so there is a sequel. The sequel, yes. That movie was. Horrifying Frosty to me as a returns, child. He meets a little girl, and she uh, she tries to take him to school. I remember that as part of it. Okay, she, I didn't remember the school. I just remembered him melting in the greenhouse, and I was like, "You idiot kid, that's gonna make him die faster." Yeah, that's Frosty Returns, I believe. That was 
terribly upsetting. Bad decision making. Terribly Kevin. upsetting to me as a child. Okay, so anyway, stick a pin in that. Not in Frosty. Um, stick a carrot in him. But it, yeah, stick a carrot in <laughs> um, But stick a pin in the Lawsoth being scared of the Witch King's ice powers. Right. In Unfinished Tales, it is stated that the Lawsoth could glide on ice by tying bones to their feet. Ice skates. Yes, Skates. yes, but notably, it doesn't say what animal the bones came from, so that's a mildly frightening little ambiguity. I bet they got woolly mammoths. They do not. They oh. do not. They do uh, not. Oh, how about a woolly oliphant? Nope. The only known animals in Foradwaith were white wolves, so that sounds like an awesome place to live. It's Wolf literally bones. just wolves well, and nothing but wolves. You know that's that's BS though, because they got to feat on something. You can't have a population of carnivores. Um, that large I guess they just eat wolves. Of- I'm saying the car- like the wolves eat something to prey on. And they- um, the loss off. They oh, eat each other. That sounds stupid. Look, that's all that's mentioned, so I can't give you that's any more a, that's info not, on that that's now. Not a cohesive biome. The loss. <laughs> maybe there were there were nuts and berries too, I guess, which the wolves can't eat. They maybe can- the wolves were eating each other. And skating around on each other's bones. Yeah, that's how population works. Good, good, good. Ryan, another thing Tolkien was not. An ecologist. Good habitat you got here, idiots. The Lossoff made their houses of snow similar to igloos and possessed, quote, carts without wheels, which were probably sleighs. So these are guys just Inuits. They're just Inuit, yes. Oh, so probably seals and stuff too, right? I don't know, because the only known animals in Forwardwaith were white wolves. Well, what, what, um, There was presumably also whatever unspecified animal they were taking bones from to make skates, so... Seals. Well, maybe they just called every... Maybe it's like, you know how the how the Inuit have, like, 30 words for snow? Maybe yeah. they... Maybe we only have one word for wolf, but they call everything up there a wolf, like a different kind of wolf. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. That's a perfect comparison. So, the Inuit have 300 words for snow, and the Lostoth have one word for every single no, no, animal. Saying, we have one word for wolf, but they call all the other animals wolves up. Like different kinds of wolves. So, like, we call them white wolf, but they might call, you know, a, a, a seal a, a slippy wolf. Again, or, they are just calling everything a wolf. Or they might say a polar bear is a... Uh, uh, a, a fat wolf. <laughs> fat wolf. That's right. It's a fat wolf. And they might call a a deer uh, a wolf with sticks on its head. Yeah. And then they- maybe, or alternatively, maybe it just never became relevant. So Tolkien only ever mentioned the wolves. Just the wolves. Okay. Just okay. the wolves. Sure. <laughs> yes. Now, Wiki describes the Lawsoth, the fan Wiki, that is, uh, as, quote, a very primitive culture. Compared to what? Come on. Oh, I know. A little judgy, right? So it considers them primitive because they were afraid of the weapons that King Arvadui and his men had, did not value jewels, and could not understand boats. Which is kind of, it's kind of lame if you ask me, like, what? You don't like swords or jewelry and you don't want to come on my catamaran? You savages! It sounds, yeah, a little bit ethnocentric, right? Well, not even ethnocentric. It's like, pirate-centric, right? Like, yeah. they're judging civilizations <laughs> using pirates. Like, do you love A, rusty cutlasses, B, jewels, Ooh. and C, boats? If not, you're savages. So, yeah. So, that's the standard by which they're judging them, I sounds, guess. Sounds Wiki continues to throw shade, calling the Lossoth an isolated and unfriendly people. It says, however, that they must have had some limited contact with other peoples of the Westlands, as they apparently knew some Westeron. Or, okay. at least enough Westeron to say, I don't like your boat. See, this is why maybe Tolkien didn't write about him too much. He didn't come up with, with a Lossoth language, did he? He did not. If he had, he, he probably would be a big major player. Also, have you ever noticed that people in Tolkien have, like, very strong feelings about boats? They either love boats yeah. or they despise boats. I feel like in real life, most people are thoroughly neutral towards boats. Was Tolkien a boat guy? Did he have a boat? He traveled very little. He left home very little. But I'm saying, did he have, like, a boat? Did he have, like, a... No. 
Oh. Not that I know of. Did he find maybe He didn't the, have like a yacht or anything like that. He found both to be a romantic idea. He's like really into like Horatio Hornblower. And or he's like, there like is that. absolutely no way you could be neutral about boats. You either love them or hate them. Yeah. Take a side. Take a side. Take a side, you coward. So that's about it for Losoth culture. Now let's talk about how they fit into Middle Earth history. I was curious about this, yes. Yes. So you remember Arthodyne, one of the three kingdoms that Arnor split into? Yeah. So Arthodyne was arguably the least crappy of these three very crappy kingdoms, and for a while it looked like the legacy of Arnor might actually survive in the form of this small and dumb country. But then, the kings of Arthodyne started dying, like several of them, often during skirmishes over Weathertop and its Palantir. Remember us talking about this? Yes. So in an effort to avoid this fate, Arvidui, the last king of Arthodyne, fled to the Ice Bay of Forge after his realm was destroyed by Angmar. This occurred in early Third Age, 1974, before winter had ended. The king approached the Lossoth and attempted to barter with them for supplies using jewels, but we've already established that the Lossoth don't give a shit about jewels. They don't like jewels, no boats. Yep. So also they were afraid of pissing off the Witch King, so Arvadui asked them to help and they were like, dude, have you met the Witch King? He's gonna set off an eternal winter and like climb a mountain and build an ice palace or something. And sing about it the and whole sing time. About and it. he's heard his voice is screechy. It's terrible. <laughs> Awful. Awful. Nobody should be subjected to that fate. Eventually, though, the Lossoth decided to aid the king, and only partly because he threatened to beat them up. Uh, it was also partly out of pity for the ragged and emaciated condition of the king's fellowship. So basically, this king just looks sad as hell. So the Lossoth provided the men with some food and constructed snow huts for them to wait out the winter. So Arvadui and all his men were in exile, just living in igloos. Now, when word reached Cirdan the shipwright, remember him? Yeah, boat boy. Always got boat guys. Always boat guys. You have to, you can't be neutral on boats in Tolkien. So uh, when word reached him that Arvadui had fled from his kingdom, he dispatched a vessel to Forachel to seek him. In March, the ship reached to the ice bay of Forachel, yet could not reach the shore as the ice flows were still thick and only just beginning to break and thaw. Oh, okay. In the intervening months, the Losoth had decided Arvadui was a pretty chill dude, actually. So they transported him and his men to Cirdan's waiting ship on their sleighs. Now... We already discussed how the Lossoth did not like boats, right? Not their thing. Odd and afraid of the boat, the like of which they had never seen before, literally have never seen a boat, the Lossoth warned the king not to try to sail south in such frigid conditions. Now, if they had never seen a boat before and didn't know anything about boats, I'm not sure how they knew that it was dangerous to sail, but maybe, like, they just looked at it and they're like, there's no maybe, way this Maybe happen. in their history they had had boats... And they just had the legend some of like, kind of like that one time genetic long. memory or something yeah, like the, that. The legend the kind of it was like a, the original story was like one of their guys tried to sail into like you know sail to the waves and like got sunk. It's so cold to Denny's, so guys. Oh my god, it's freezing. And so the generations later is like, and then he sailed down south, and and the waves fell upon him, and the Luke crashed, and the 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 ice monster Kraken from below grabbed his neck and throttled him where he swam. And this I is mean, this here's story, the thing: right? like their instincts aren't wrong. And that's why boats are not good. Because against their advice, Arvadui boarded the ship, which became surrounded by ice, and eventually the ship's hull was crushed and Arvadui was drowned in the ice bay together with the Palantiri of the north. That's right, you told me that. Yep, remember he drowned in the ice bay of Forishel and that's how the line of kings of Arnor ended? Yeah, quick question. Are there any named Losoth in the in the Tolkien Legendarium? No? Not that I'm aware of, no. Do you want to name one? Sure. What do you want to name him? Um, I want to name him 
Balto. Balto and his friend Nanook. Yes, yeah. because they transport people on sleighs to um, rescue them and also get diphtheria medication for the dying children of the village. And he's also a very handsome white wolf. Yeah, uh, Balto's gray, actually. I'm talking about, I was making reference to the only species that exists. <laughs> Which is white wolves. Come on! White wolves. No genetic variation. Yes, and he's a white wolf. Yes, and he's a white wolf. Okay. Um, but is there a Russian goose? Was there one in Balto? Oh my god, you don't remember? Yes, there was a Russian goose named Boris. Sorry, I'm not a furry joke. Sorry, have you... (laughs) Now I feel like... I know, that's the day and age we we live in. Like, I feel like admitting that I watched Balto as a child, like, immediately puts me under furry suspicion. Yif, yif. But it's okay. It's fine. I'm cool with it. And now, um, although the Palantiri sank to the bottom of the Ice Bay of Forishel, the Ring of Barahir which Arvadui had carried, survived. Uh, so he left it with the chief of the Losoth in thanks for their aid, and the Dunedain later paid to recover it. And this is the ring Aragorn wears during the War of the Ring. Oh, so it's a real cold ring for a yeah, while. Yes, so remember, Barra here is Baron's dad, right. and Baron is Aragorn's ancestor. So the chief doesn't even get a name? No. Chief Balto Nanook. I think so. Chief Balto Nanook, right. savior... From diphtheria. Goodness gracious. And that's where the loss of uh, exit history, because we only care about indigenous peoples in as far as they impacted glorious Dunedain, right? Yeah. So what happened to them? Well, I have a theory. Okay, let's hear it. If you read the Father Christmas letters, as we did two Ooh, years ago, that's a secret. Isn't you'll okay. note that orcs slash goblins are present at the North Pole. <sighs> also present is an elf who writes in Elvish. This suggests some continuity between the world of Middle Earth and the modern day. At the very least, goblins and elves appear to have survived to the present. So, why not the Losoth? Okay, yeah. Maybe Santa lives among them. Alternatively, maybe he's drafted them into forced labor making his toys. Or maybe Santa himself is a Losoth. Ooh, that'd be a nice twist. Exhibit A, he drives a sleigh. Exhibit B, he doesn't drive a boat. Ooh, exhibit C, he wears wolf bones as ice skates. <laughs> Need I go on? That classic Santa. A classic Santa. Apparel. Wow. Yeah. yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe maybe he's the last Losoth. Maybe maybe after the Witch King kicked the bucket, they like figured out how to live forever. Yep. They figured out how to live forever, but um unfortunately they are um genetically incapable of bearing children and that is why santa and mrs claus are the last of them and so that's why he decides to give to all the boys and girls because he and his wife can't have children or earth in this case yeah because they can't have children and it's sad because the witch king of amar froze mrs claus's womb oh no with his elza ice powers and that's what i have about the (laughs) losoth What a tale. Yeah. I feel like you're going to the very nooks and crannies of the legendarium now. I actually wanted to do one about Forochel since, like, we started this podcast because it's such an obscure region of Middle Earth that, like, almost never gets discussed. So what you're saying is you were into Forochel before it was cool. I was into Forochel way before it was cool. And I'm still into Forochel because, uh, before it was cool because it's still not cool. Well, I, I think it's maybe not cool, but it's very cold. It sure is, but I'm um, sh- Ass blastingly cold. Now, what do you have for me? And I hope it's slightly holiday themed. It's slightly, actually, more slightly than like more slightly than I thought it was going to be. Let me give you a hint of what it's about. I have a quick, uh, quick video here. And yes, it's about holidays. Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, plus, this DVD is 
jammed with over six hours of even more fun and excitement, you can watch again oh and again. And again and again. <laughs> again and again. Again. One more time. Yoda Man, because they could just well, say Yoda Man. Say, Yoda Man. Yoda Man. And then they went with Yoda Dumb Man. They changed it halfway through. So was that a real commercial for the Star Wars Episode 2 DVD? It absolutely was. Wow. And I remember being on wow. TV. And, people, and, and Star Wars fans want to whinge nowadays about how Star Wars has gotten too silly. Too commercial, right? <laughs> too commercial and too silly. Are you shitting me? Like, literally, you and I talked about this last night. Yoda Man. before a new hope came out in 1977 they already had like toy deals lined up so don't whinge at me about how star wars has gotten so commercial recently yeah so can you guess what i'm talking about and not just the release of attack of the clones yoda man i'm talking about yoda man species actually (gasps) yoda species including our friend baby yoda the child the child yeah so yoda species and you're probably saying what why aren't you saying the name of it well that is the name of it. That's all we get because George Lucas, one of his weird bugaboos, is that Yoda's species will never be named. He takes weird stands on, and things. even Disney has maintained that that vow that Lucas made. And so we're talking about Yoda species. So let's go through it a little bit. And obviously, it's called Yoda species because he's the best-known member of the species. Okay, but when people um, say, for example, Baby Yoda to refer to the character in the Mandalorian TV series, that is not actually Yoda as a baby. No. We are just calling him Baby Yoda because we do not know his name or his species name. Yeah, and maybe we'll name it by the end of this, but I don't think we're going to because George Lucas said no. And I, I think his to... name should be Baby Sinclair. Baby Sinclair. Gotta love me! Uh, they're known as a species of small carnivorous humanoids. Pretty much all of them are Force-sensitive. That's kind of what we've gotten so far. Um, they're much shorter than an average human, most standing below 70 centimeters, with lifespans of many hundreds of years. Though, that's kind of inflated because most Jedi live longer than regular like lifespans anyway. I actually don't know if I knew or remembered that. So Yoda, I know, lives to be like over 900 years old. Right. He dies when he's around 900. So, so how long does the average human Jedi live? Like a hundo something, probably. A hundred and something. Yeah. So, like, Mace Window would have lived to be a hundred and something if, if he, he hadn't had... gotten pushed out a window. And yeah. Luke would have lived to be a hundred and something if he hadn't, like, force ghosted out of his body. And... Right. Well, think about Jedis, too. They can keep living as a ghost once you learn how to do that technique. So, it's like... But is that really got... living? I'm sorry. I didn't realize becoming a ghost was a technique. It is a thing. I can talk about that later. That's a but... technique? That's something you could do intentionally? Now, I thought you just... Now, this is a thing that's was kind of introduced as an idea in episode three and only in one of like the deleted scenes i think or maybe it's briefly in the movie there's a whole part where yoda is like communicated with qui-gon i have and it's like well qui-gon never became a force ghost and yoda basically says that like qui-gon kind of figured out how to force ghost yourself how to like force yourself to force ghost how do like because you hear Qui-Gon's voice a couple times, like when, when Anakin is killing all the Tusken Raiders in episode two, you hear him say, Anakin, no, in the background. So the whole idea is that like- Wait, you do? Yeah, yeah. They have, they have Liam Neeson came back and recorded that. Is it like sort of like infrabase, like hard to hear, or is it sort of like something that's front and center? It's pretty front and center. I don't know that I ever noticed that. Yeah, it's there. And so the whole, I think that the idea is like- Quite gonna figure out how to bring his voice back and kind of communicate with Jedi from beyond the grave, but then Yoda and Obi Wan kind of figured out how to become ghosts. 
Whoa. And so it was in the movies. I don't know. If- How did they figure it out? Because they were dead. You can't figure out anything when you're dead. You're just dead. It's a technique. Unless you're in heaven. Joanna, they're one with the force. Stop talking. Is there me. heaven in Star Wars? Shut up. Okay. Adults of the species were characterized by sharp elephant ears, ridges on their foreheads, tridactyl hands, and most commonly, aniosodactyl feet. That means they have three toes in the front, one in the back. Okay. Like an owl. Their leathery skin and blood were both light green. Their sharp teeth suggested a carnivorous diet. The diet of the most famous member of the species, Jedi Master Yoda, consisted of nutrients most other beings considered to be disgusting. He eats frogs and weird crap from the swamp. Um, the species resembled a, another species called the Lanik species, where also short, also had big ears, and uh, something has a top knot of hair. But um, they kind of figured out they're not the same. Even Yoda was called a Lanik at one point because they weren't sure what he was. Um, and they probably weren't related because Lanics are kind of more primate oriented like based and where where the yoda species is kind of more reptilian or amphibian so here's a lanik uh from the movies i mean he does have literally the exact ears like if you painted him green yeah but he doesn't have giant eyes like yoda no it's a guy called evan peel he's one of the jedis on the council and his name is just evan even cool 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 sci-fi name even 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 peel this is my sci-fi character ted yeah, cool. this is my Star Wars character, Luke. This is my... <laughs> Shut up. In fairness, <laughs> yeah. This is my, the ancient Jedi Master, Chris. Yeah. There's been worse. Yeah, well, Darth Icky. Uh, all known members were very wise and had extraordinary force potential. Most of them, though not all, spoke in an idiosyncratic dialect of Galactic Basic, utilizing non-standard grammar and formalized sentence construction. So could they speak with standard grammar and they just chose not Actually, to? Actually, yes. If you play the um, the Old Republic games, there's one. There's a Yoda species in that, and he talks normal, which is really weird, and I don't like it. I don't like it. I think they should talk all weird. I think we should have, you know, mix around the, the subject and the, the order of things. Is it like just a point of pride for them? Like, this is our dialect. This is our culture. Like, we refuse to assimilate. Yeah. Now, Joanna, that is literally all the Yoda species article has. Like, that that is pretty much it. That's it? Um, I'm but- sorry. We get longer than War and Peace for Han Solo's, like, kids. But yeah. we get... That's it? That's all we get There's a little more, like, behind the scenes stuff. But I'm going to talk about that at the end. Instead, I want to talk about some of the most uh, famous members of the Yoda species. I mean, Yoda and Baby Yoda. That's, like, it. No, there's more than that. If you're talking about famous, though, famous means, like, I've heard of them. Well, you'll hear about them after today. So let's, uh, let's start with our, our main man, the namesake of the species. <laughs> I love it. My favorite clip. Ryan, Star Wars has gotten so silly recently. <laughs> I kept the screaming down. That was funny. <laughs> so you know this guy. 900 years old. Legends continuity biography is very long. Very long. And not that interesting. And so I decided... Really? How could it not be interesting? The legend- it's Yoda, dude. It's Yoda man. It's Yoda man. Um... I don't know. The only interesting part were like his younger years, which are just like, he was trained by a Jedi master. And it's like, that's... Well, yeah, obvious. But yeah. what does he need to be, though? Because they're all force sensitive. That's what I mean. So like, let's, let's talk about just the canon. Talk about his college years, doing crazy pranks, panty oh, raiding, so, sitting on flagpoles. Let's talk about uh, what, what canon says about Yoda as a guy. Okay. okay. So he joined Who the, was he as a guy? He joined the order as a youngling, the Jedi Order as a youngling, but we don't know how young. Exactly. Well, Baby Yoda's 50 and still a baby, so obviously he wasn't that young. He did. He was like 200 or he something. He became a master at the rank at age of 100. Oh. Wow. So he was only twice as old as Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda better start growing fast. That's what I'm saying. I think Baby Yoda is either like 
He's, he's dumb. Gonna, he's either dumb or has <laughs> he's his, either really slow. He hasn't or... gone through his growth spurt yet. Or yeah. Um, you go from two to like old enough to become a Jedi Master in literally half your lifespan. I guess, like, yeah. So Yoda was paired up. I mean, we don't know what he looked like at age one. He could have been like a tadpole or something. Yeah, that's true. That's we don't true. have no idea what that baby of a Yoda looks like. Yeah. Could have been like a little Joey in a pouch. He's you a know? baby for a very long time. Isn't yeah. it like kind of an evolutionary disadvantage to be a baby for that long? He's a forever baby, but like at the same time, he also has the force and like it guides him and tells him when things are going bad. So maybe that's an evolutionary like uh, uh, sort of uh, handicap he's given. You maybe. Know, to make up for the fact that he's still a baby child. That is how evolution works. It will, yeah. it will give you handicaps. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> Like bumpers when you go bowling. That's Evolution does that. Yes. Evolution does that. So he's given an unnamed mentor at some point to train to be a Jedi. What was the mentor? <laughs> no name given. What? No name given. In the in the legends, he has a name, but it's like Corbo or something. It's dumb. Corbo. <laughs> All right. Now, cool. Jedi Master Corbo. Now, don't worry. There are dumb names in this one because during their time together, Yoda's Jedi Master <clears throat> told him of the tale of two great Jedi, one named Chuang. Chuang, okay. That's my name. Okay. The other one's name Kung Fu. <laughs> Kung Fu. All right, so Chuang and Kung Fu, cool. No, Kung Fu. So everybody was Kung Fu fighting. Now this is canon. It comes from the 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 a kids novelization of Empire Strikes Back that came out in the last two years, and so Disney said, "Yeah, Kung Fu." Kung Fu. So. Yoda, yeah, no, maybe Star Wars has gotten silly recently. Yoda learned the lesson of Kung Fu as a young man. Yes, young he did. Jedi. All right. Anyway, like I said, at age 100, he became a master, and he spent the next eight centuries training and tutoring generations of Jedi, because he taught, like, not only individuals as Padawans, but also, like, the big groups, like you saw in episode. Sure, you do group lessons, you do private lessons. Private lessons, you paid a little bit of a premium, because you're only, getting one-on-one attention. And... two or three, you see Yoda with a group of kids, and they're all learning how to, like, block stuff with lightsabers. Yeah, I think it's two. Yeah. I think it's two. Um... Three, all the kids were there to do was die. It was estimated he trained about 20,000 Jedi. Holy, there were that many Jedi? Over 800 years, yeah. And they all got wiped out in an instant, and 20 years later, they were an old legend, and no one was really sure if they existed. I mean, that's 20,000 Jedi over the course of 800 years. It's not like there was $20,000. There was still a ton of Jedi. Stop yelling about how many Jedi there were. There were so many Jedi. Now, think about how many are going to die over the course of 800 years, though. Yeah, but that's like... 2,000 over the course of like each century. Okay. More than 2,000 over the course I'm of... Gonna, I'm going to do some quick math for you real quick. We're going to figure out how many Jedi per year he trained over the course of eight. I mean, it's years. already dumb that like 20 years after the Jedi were killed. Not even 20 years, like 19 years after the Jedi were killed. Everybody's like, an old legend. But those are just stories that never existed. Like, that's so fucking stupid. Well, you're saying that because you didn't weren't under the... Uh... The imperial propaganda that was passed around at the time telling the Jedi never ever were a thing. That's like if all, like if... So he trained like 25 Jedi a year. If you think about that, that's a full class of kids in a classroom. That's, right? yeah, that's okay, like, but a year. So over the course of a single individual's lifetime, that's like hundreds of Jedi that got trained there. Yeah. They're like a big sting of deal. This would be like if 15 years from now we were like... The old legend of bronies, but those are just stories. They never really existed. Well, once, once God Emperor Trump can, is in his like fifth um, term of office, and he will he will have, start the misinformation campaign that bronies never existed. So you're you know that's his endgame. You know how it's kind of like how George W. Bush um, canceled anime, banned yeah, anime. Yeah. That's Trump's gonna ban bronies. Yeah. 
So he trained 20,000 Jedi, but he only had a few, like, he had, like, a, you know, a single Padawan, like, at a time. He wasn't, like, training 20,000 Padawans, necessarily. Yeah. He had one guy that was, like, his main, like, he was a mentor to, to an individual. Well, for him right? to be 25 Padawan a year? No, no, no. They say, as how many Jedi he, because, again, he teaches, like, a whole class. He okay, just, but his, his, he'd only have, like, one Padawan. He's got one, like, one, like, close, you know. One, like, like, main dude. Right. And so his last known main dude, besides Luke, was a young human named Dooku. Oh my god! Wait, is that said in the movies? Maybe that's something I shouldn't be reacting I, to. It is, but it's also it was just like you know you kind of get the idea like oh Yoda trained everybody like people are like you know but his specific one on one Padawan was his Dooku. last official one before Luke was was Dooku yeah was was Saruman yeah whoops oh well done Yoda kind of been on the wrong horse there big guy um, he served as a negotiator between the Wookiees and the Trandoshan species uh, he's kind of like because these two species are at war constantly you got the, the Wookiees live in trees and they're very peaceful and you got the Trandoshans who are these big lizard guys who want to just like you know hunt them for sport and Yoda had to be between them being like <coughs> don't do can't that can't we reach a middle ground on this maybe you only name them for sport so the Wookiees, nice compromise the Wookiees gave him the title defender of the home tree and he was became the honorary member of many Wookiee families it's part of their honor families. I want to know what, like, compromise he made to get the Transosians to not hunt Wookiees. Like, did he give them another planet of creatures to hunt? Yeah, I don't know. Good question. Like, what did he do? I don't know. This kind of explains it. Seems like there's no midway point there. I, yeah. I don't know. Good question. They didn't really say. Like, when they say, like, he brokered peace, like, that usually implies that you found a middle ground, and I don't see a middle ground there's there. There's not much middle ground between, like, the most dangerous game and, and not the most dangerous yeah. game, right? Maybe it gave him, I don't know. Maybe he introduced them to, like, you know, Twitch streams. Yeah, there you go. And I'm just like, watch that. They all just, they get their rocks off by watching, like, virtual characters get murdered. Yeah, and, and they have, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Very good. Um, so in episode three, he's like, friend of the Wookiees I am. And people are like, what the heck? Where did that come from? That's where that comes from. Oh. Because he was, he was a negotiator. So he trained Luke and stuff. You know, the history from that is pretty much what we know. He died. He became a ghost. He burned down a tree with Jedi artifacts 30 years later. Laughed about it. That you was know? pretty righteous. Yeah, yeah he's, 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 a little, he's a little goofy ghost now. So. I love how, like, Yoda returned. First of all, I love how he returned as a puppet. Yeah. And second of all, I love how he returned just to be like, burning books is cool. Yeah. Yeah. He's so fu- Actually, that puppet, they actually got the old molds of the Empire really? back, Yoda. Yeah. That's so awesome. The exact same. Uh, there's a paragraph about Yoda's powers, and they're pretty normal. Like, he can do this, he can do that. Um, here's one. In order to teach Luke Skywalker that anything was possible with the Force, Yoda levitated his student, sunk an X-Wing starfighter out of a swamp of Dagobah and onto dry land with no visible strain. Okay? Okay. Yes, next, he did do that. Next sentence. Yoda could also <laughs> stop strikes from giants of living stone. What? Yoda could also stop strikes from giants of living stone. Okay, so he could stop strikes. So he this could is- stop giants of living stone to, like... From punching him, or he could stop them from like ha- having labor movements. I don't know. So like, the, I mean, yeah, the first sentence, he could like all these giants of living stone that live at the like, that work at the living stone borders are on just, strike is, again. Yoda, one, get in there, bust it up. This is one paragraph. This is very good. Writing. Yoda worked as a scab. He were just that's how he stopped strikes. Was he going and he worked as a scab? He looks like Bernie Sanders, but I guess he's. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly. All right. So here's a mini behind the scenes for Yoda. I'm not going to go into it too deep. Um, here's a quote, quote from uh, a guy who worked on the set of Star Wars, Laurent Bolzoru. He said, The idea of using another person, perhaps an alien, for Luke to play off came up during the story meetings. Lucas and Leigh Brackett, who's the co-writer of Empire Strikes Back, yeah. 
thought the alien could be an Indian desert type, very childlike, even though he's an old man. At first, he should be repulsive and slimy, but then should become kind and wise. He appears like a crazy little nitwit and goes around screaming like a rat, but ultimately teaches Luke a great deal about the Force. In the original story, he's also called Minch Yoda. Minch Yoda? What's the Minch? His first name. Last you're name a, yeah, Yoda, you're a real Minch. You're a real Minch, but they decided to shorten to Yoda because Minch is a goofy name. Here's the early concept art of Yoda. Not it, too far off, actually. Um, Basically, looks exactly like Yoda looks, except he looks like yeah. he has like weird pauldrons for feet. Yeah, those are not the uh, the anisodactyl feet that but were I, taught that he has. But... I do love how they have the rising sun behind him, like, because... Like, it's clearly supposed to be, like, a, Why do you like that? a Japanese, like, oh, I'm a little old man, and I look like I don't oh. know anything, but actually, I'm super good at karate. Why do you say that? Why do you say Japanese people are good at karate, Joanna? Um, because I'm very racist. Oh, that's what I was hoping you would say. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm very, very racist, but only in relation to karate. People who aren't Japanese can't do karate, and you will never convince me otherwise. Bio-truths. Uh, so that's our first famous member of the Yoda species. Here's our second member. And I honestly think she is, she's maybe cooler than Yoda. Really? Her name is Yaddle. Here's she, a picture of Yaddle. Oh my gosh. <gasps> her hair is beautiful. Yoda luxurious? just gets like some little Bernie Sanders wisps and she has like this full brown semi-bouffant. Yeah, Yaddle, it is beautifully styled. Yaddle is a Yoda species that appears in episode one. She's on the Jedi Council. I do not remember seeing she her. She doesn't talk, but she's there. And she moves around. And she nods. She's another puppet. And, she's uh, beautiful. She's beautiful. She's got beautiful long brown hair, auburn hair. She's got a cool little cape on. And um, she thinks she's kind of the secret MVP of Yoda's species. Really? Okay, okay so this is all going to be obviously expanded universe stuff. Yes. Uh, but I think cool and fun. So here we go. She was born in 509 BBY. So she was about, you know, around 500 something. Well, around the time of the uh, So significantly younger than Yoda. Yes, about half her age. Half his age, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, as a Padawan 300 years before the Battle of Yavin, she and her master were dispatched to a planet called Koba to liberate it from a warlord called Tulak. Tulak! The Jedi often often sent on missions to go do things, you know, and like liberate people, help, the, help them and stuff like that. But what they didn't know is that Tulak had a beef with the Jedi Order. He hated Jedi, and he knew they were coming, so he sent a vast army of Kobani slaves to murder them. I mean, I feel like anybody who's doing bad things probably has a beef with the Jedi Order, because right. the Jedi Order's like big... Line in the sand is like, don't do bad things. And he's like, I like to do bad things. I like to do bad things. I like to do hood rat stuff with my friends. <laughs> bad things are fun. So, uh, you think these two are Jedi. They can take a take an army of slaves, right? Well, Yaddle's master got his head chopped off. Oh, no. And Yaddle was captured. Here's a here's a little picture from a comic about their fight. Them having to fight off the the, uh, the slave army. Is that her master in the back there? Yeah, the yeah. big beefy guy? And his head gets chopped off. He huh? got his head chopped off by some of the slaves. Yikes. And they captured the Padawan Yaddle. She was tortured and interrogated, but Yaddle, she didn't crack. You're like, when are the next Jedi coming? She's like, I'm not going to tell you. Or tell you I won't, I guess. Yeah, tell you I won't, probably. Pissed off and ready to leave Koba, the warlord Tulak left her imprisoned for life in an underground pit to be guarded over by his wardens, just in case he had use for her later as like a like a hostage or something. How long did he keep her? Well, she stayed in solitary confinement for a century. I'm sorry? So literally a fifth of her life she's been like a prisoner of war? Even the wardens and Tulak um, himself forgot she was a captive. Like, eat your heart out, John McCain. <laughs> <laughs> 
She can even lift her arms above her shoulders. So take yeah, that. so take that, old man. During her many decades of isolation, Yaddle reflected upon the lessons of her beheaded master again and again, and eventually achieved unity with the Force just by kind of like meditating with her, you know, in her wow. solitude. I mean, God knows she had nothing else to do. Many vicious predators wandered into Yaddle's cave, and she learned the art of combat uh, for survival using a simple wooden stick to defeat vicious creatures several times her size. I get. She's wow. training. I mean, she's that's, training. that's dope. That's meditating. dope. She's stick fighting. But past a certain past a certain point, do you think that she was staying there on purpose? So surely a hundred years would have given her enough time to like execute an escape plan, and it wouldn't even have to be a good escape plan because literally nobody's watching her. She's buried underground. What? There's a great. The only thing she had was like a small grate where they could lower food to her. But and I know th- she can jump up there because I have seen Yoda jump. It's very deep, and after a while, even the people forgot to bring her food, so she had to eat all the animals she was fighting. She's a, she's a scrappy little fighter, you Man. see. Um, she kind of became a legend, just like kind of like the stories of the one down there who like fights things. They called so. her the one below Whoa. by the people on the surface. That was a cool, cool legendary moniker. Right? Also, I'm like very surprised that this like group of baddies was co- cohesive for a century. Well, here's the thing. At one point, there was a freak earthquake and it caused a minor, minor avalanche into Yaddle's cell. And it gave her the first view of the sunlight in a hundred years. Oh my God. But it Didn't gave- it hurt her eyes? Definitely, yeah. Mm. But it gave her an opportunity to escape, finally. Oh. She could see her way out. There's kind of like a pile of rocks she could jump up and climb, right? Upon reaching the surface, she found that the planet Koba was greatly deteriorated. The people were uh, diseased. Their infrastructure was crumbling. Food was scarce. After the warlord left, they kind of he left the planet in ruins. Yeah. And they were able to rebuild Power themselves. vacuum. Yeah. That's what happens when you're a colonialist. But Yaddle? You think Yaddle was mad about this? Um, Yaddle was just glad to be out of the damn cell. Yeah, she actually forgave the Kobans, the generations of Kobans who kept her underground and felt deeply sorry for them and wanted to help their suffering. She provided as much help, much help to the Kobans as she possibly could, and with them struggling to rebuild the society, Yaddle actually declined to return to the Jedi Temple to be part of the Council. Really? She wanted to help the Kobans, finish, like, help their world. Yaddle is some good shit. It, but uh, it was during the rebuilding of Koba that Tulak's son, Kalut, arrived. Kalut. Kalut. Kalut is uh, on fire. He wanted to claim his father's inheritance because his planet was still under oh, Tulak's name. trust fund shit. But he saw the state of the planet. He's like, these weaklings wouldn't be worth being slaves. Let's raid and, and pillage the place. Oh. So it started destroying like cities on the planet. Um, although the Kobans were too weak to fight, Yaddle was not. She challenged Kalut to a duel, and uh, she said this to him. Tell you I will not. You, your hold over these people will end by your own hand. Rule by terror you do. Die by fear you will. Ooh. And Yaddle used only the wooden stick she brought up with her from the cell, and with her honed combat abilities from down being in jail for a century, she defeated Kalut in single combat, liberating the planet for the, for the Kobans. Oh my god. Yes. Oh my god. She returned to the Jedi Temple in Coruscant, and on returning back, they said, okay, yeah, you're good. You don't need any more training. You're a master now. Yeah, yeah, like, you're good. Like, you're objectively better than Yoda at this point. In fact, they wanted to invite her to the council immediately. Yeah. That's gonna be a slap in the face for Anakin, right? They're like, we do not grant you the rank of master. And they're immediately like, hey, come on in, girl! I mean, she had a reason. She became one with the four. She kind of, like, was... Folks with the force, she yeah. had to fight. No, I know. She I mean, like, the there's every reason, like, Anakin yeah. didn't do shit. Now, there's only one member of the council who objected. Do you guess who it was? Anakin. Anakin was not around then. This is before Anakin. Um, who was the member who objected? The answer may surprise you. Mace Windu. Yoda. What? 
Yoda. She's of your own kind. Like he said, it was too far from the Jedi code. She didn't do the proper. Like, didn't go through the proper avenues. Oh, I guess he's showing that he's not biased. Then, even though she's like his own people, he's not gonna like cut her any yeah. breaks. Come on, Yoda. You're just jealous because she did like much cooler shit than you. Honestly, yes. He did, it, but then he did like a quick like research on all of the things she did, and he did a quick vision of the future of what she might do in the in the future. And he's like, he's like, oh, never mind. Okay, she's good. She's good. <laughs> Search the internet, I have. Googled your name, I did. (laughs) Social media presence, clean it is. Um, So Yaddle was going to kick his ass, obviously. So he's like, Yoda man back down. Yes. She went up to train dozens of Jedi and Padawans and served as the head of the Jedi Librarian's Assembly. Librarians? Like for the Jedi Library? She's oh, okay, like that place where it's all like weird, yeah, so, like holograms. But she wasn't just a librarian; she was actually the one who went out and collected uh, new texts and artifacts for the collection. Ooh, so now she's like all Indiana Jones. Yeah, so Yaddle is cool, right? Hell yeah! Yaddle's exposure to little-known aspects of the Force during her confinement granted her powers rarely used by Jedi, including the ancient and forbidden Jedi combat art of Moritro. What the hell is that? It enga- enables the user to rapidly slow down the bodily functions of its target to the point of death. Or, if you want to be a little more low-key about it, constipation. You can slow you your shit. Imagine sh- you just make their digestion slow I mean, way yeah. the hell down, and they're just like, oh my god, I'm so backed up. I think it's supposed to be like, you slow your heartbeat till you die, but that could be good too. <laughs> or you could just make yeah. it so they So Yaddle is cool. Poop. They just don't Also, poop. she had an orange lightsaber. What? That's not a color you can have. But she had it. Oh my god. Yaddle's cool. She and Waste Window were like the special lightsaber color friends. Yeah. Now, in 26 BBY, Yaddle sent to the planet Mawan, along with Obi-Wan and Anakin, to stop a crime lord named Granta Omega, who had an evil scheme to unleash a bioweapon to poison the planet and uh, just kind of take it over. What was it, anthrax? Yes, space anthrax. Now, Yaddle, so Anakin was captured. He was in cuffs. Little teenage Anakin, right? Yeah, yeah. He's still a Padawan at this point. Yes. Uh, Yaddle went underground, her best place. Her, her, her. Oh, she's at home there. Under the ground, Yaddle's able to break the cuffs off of Anakin before Omega could administer a lethal charge to him. Ooh. Is he basically going to give him, like, the electric chair, basically? He's, he's going to poison him to death, yeah. Then she, then she jumped through the launch tube after the chemical bomb he just launched to that the city. Oh my god. She suspended herself in the air and spoke to Anakin telepathically about his destiny as the Chosen One, and I used to live up to his responsibility. With those last wise words, Yaddle used the Force to absorb the bomb into her herself, imploding and unfortunately dying, making sure that no one on Mawan could be exposed to the lethal chemical explosion. Oh my god. And Luke, or sorry, Anakin never felt such a massive use of the Force in his whole life. Like, this was, like, huge. How does he never mention her? I, Wouldn't he be like, she died for me? And now she was 483 years old when she died, and she's the last Jedi Council member before to die before the Clone Wars. Wow. And she was replaced by, on the council by Shakti, who's like the uh, Togruta lady, the big red lady with yeah. like the cool horns and Yeah, stuff. I know Shakti. So, honestly, I can't even play the sound clip, because who the man? Yaddle man. Yaddle the man. Yeah. To be honest, TBH. TBH. She's cool, right? Wow, yes. We we stand a legend around here. We love Yaddle. Holy cow, in this house, we love and respect Yaddle. The one below, baby. Yeah. Now the third one, everyone knows him right now, the third most most uh, a well-known member of the Yoda species, the child. I.E. Baby Yoda. The child. As his proper Christian name would have it. Now much is known about this little goober. He's 50 years old, as around like 9 ABY, so he's born probably around 41 BBY. He's just the cutest little dickens. He has the force, but it makes him sleepy. He likes messing with buttons, eating large frogs, he's playing with silver balls. so cute like, he makes Werner Herzog cry. Yeah, I'll actually get to that in a second here. Um, there's lots of theories about what his deal is. Some people think he's the child of Yoda and Yaddle, which I think is... 
They nope. did not become, first of all, Yoda's twice her age. That's gross, right? So that's like a little bit messed up. No good. No good. No bueno. Boop, plus, boop. plus, Yaddle was dead before 41, or maybe she was. Yeah, no, she, she wouldn't have been, was she? She died before the Clone Wars. So maybe, maybe she'd be around. But because if Anakin end. was around. We don't know the gestation time of a Yoda species. We don't know what's going on That's here. true. Um, people think she might be a, he might be a reincarnation of a Yoda, which is very dumb because Yoda was still alive in he's still like a, yeah. 41 BBY. Like he was. That's a good point. He's not dead yet. You know, and to be like, well, maybe it's time travel, which I think is also extra dumb. They don't time travel in Star Wars. Although, like, theoretically, in a space environment where you have faster light travel, that is the one environment in which time travel would theoretically be Yeah. The, the one, th- one theory that maybe holds water is that he might be a clone of Yoda. Okay. Which is because uh, the, the doctor in, the fir- in, like, the first episode, the, the, the Dr. Pershing yeah. gets yelled at, he has an insignia on his jacket that's of the Kaminoans. Yeah. And the Kaminoan <gasps> cloners. So they're thinking that basically what he was trying to do when he had him like locked down like that was to make, make get his DNA to clone him. Obi-Wan shows up. It's like, here is your army of 20,000 Yodas you ordered. <laughs> oh, yes. Of course. That army. Yes, of uh, course. Of course. Yes, of course. But I say, just let the child be the child. He's cute. Let him be his Just baby. let him be his own guy. But would you be mad if it turned out that he did have some connection like that to the... A little bit. I like can be kind of separate. You know, I think it's okay to have members of Yoda species that aren't related to Yoda. Yeah. Star Wars does tend to do that. Like everybody, it's a universe of like billions, if not trillions of beings. And yet like every other person has a connection to every other important person. It really strains credulity. Yeah. You mentioned Werner Herzog earlier. He's probably the biggest fan of Baby Yoda. Here's a little bit I have of that from an article in Variety. The Mandalorian's co-writer Dave Filoni revealed that Herzog acted with contempt upon (coughs) the set, uh, on the set, um, upon discovery of the CGI Baby Yoda plans. They want to make him CGI character. No. No, I'm with Werner on that. You're not going to do that. After a take using the puppet, the crew got ready for another take without the puppet in case they decided they wanted to decide the puppet wasn't convincing enough and digital version had to be substituted. Herzog had a reaction that is instantly iconic. You are cowards, the director said. Leave it. <laughs> <laughs> I wish good. there was a recording of him saying that. There's a recording of him talking about other things. Let me, let me pull it up. You are cowards. Leave it. Did you see the baby Yoda that was revealed in the pilot yet? I have seen it on the set. I've seen it on the set, and it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreakingly beautiful, and it's uh, and I saw two two technicians operating it remote. One was for the eyes and the mouth, and the other one was for other facial expressions. It's a phenomenal technical achievement, and beyond the technological achievement, it's heartbreaking. Why is it heartbreaking? I I don't know. I I only saw it on the set. I haven't seen it in the movie yet, So, uh, because I haven't seen it yet. In two hours, when I have seen it, I can answer it. But on the set, it looked absolutely convincing. You, it made you cry when you saw it. <laughs> <laughs> he calls it heartbreaking no less than three times. He thinks it's heartbreaking, and I have to agree. I have to agree with him there. You are cowards. Leave, Leave it. it. You're cowards. Yeah, he's so good. I love Werner. Werner! Werner! And uh, one more thing about the child. In December 2019, Time Magazine named the child as one of its people of the year. What? So, <laughs> what? So Gre- Greta, what? Greta Thunberg is the person of the is like the person of the year. <coughs> okay. But Baby Yoda is one of the people of the year. What? Top notch. 2019. Time Magazine is always like 
<laughs> kind of wild with their their choices. Remember that year when it was just a mirror? Yeah, it was. That was you because YouTube. Was you because YouTube became a thing, and I remember um, my college had their own newspaper that was supposed to be similar to like the Onion. Uh-huh. I remember the headline that day was "Local Rapist Stunned to Find Me as <laughs> Times Person of the Year." I know a lot of people put that on those resumes as well. <laughs> I was Times Person of the Year in twenty six, two thousand six. Yeah, yeah. Funny stuff, guys. Funny stuff. Now let's go behind the scenes of Yoda species real quick. There's, there's not a lot here. I just thought I'd be talk about it. Um, for reasons unknown, like I said, George Lucas has said that Yoda species will never be named. Uh, when people ask him what he is, he's joked that he's a frog. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He also joked that he's the illegitimate child of Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy. What a joke. What a joke. I think it's pretty accurate, actually. Eh, I could see it. Frank Oz does the voice. Yeah. Um, Lucas's policy has resulted in certain Star Wars publications being canceled entirely. <gasps> a significant example was in Lucasfilm ordered the pulping of an entire print run of, <coughs> print run of yet-to-be-released Star Wars trading cards depicting a group of an unknown tridactyl species worshipping a larger-than-life statue of one of their number led in prayer by an individual who may or may not have intended to be Yoda. <gasps> wow! So Lucas saw this card. I'm showing Joanna the art right now. Yeah. And they said, no! It basically looks like Buddha as a Yoda and there's one Yoda in front of it with like a scepter Surrounded in blue light, kind of floating, and then there are other Yodas like bearing bowls of flame. Yeah. Um, like worshiping this Buddha Yoda. I think it's cool, but George Lucas saw this and said, No. Like you can't tear you can't the veil away that yes. Now also oh! Santa Claus is, appears to be a member of Yoda's species, as appears in Star Wars Adventure Journal 8. Oh my Almost god. Easter egg, non-canon, but there he is. There's there Yoda. He is. Santa Claus is Yoda in Star Wars. As Yoda species, rather. Whoa, whoa, yeah, whoa. whoa. First of all, why do they have Santa Claus in Star Wars? Don't you remember? It's a galaxy far, far away. Don't you remember the, uh, the, the, the Christmas album you listened to? Uh, yes, which was really perplexing. Yeah. Christmas in the Stars? Really perplexing. That's the Santa Claus we're talking about. Why can't you get a Wookiee for now, Christmas when he already owns a comb? The last section. Yeah? The behind the scenes section. You're not going to like it? <sighs> I'm not going to like it? It's an entire section. Yeah. It's seven paragraphs huh. arguing about how many toes Yoda has. Oh, God, I don't care. I can read them to you, he but I hate it. He has three and then like a one in the back. You already said you're, I already accepted that as canon. I don't need to know anymore. This is like, does the Balrog have wings? But like Star Wars version. The number of toes that members of the species possess has been inconsistently portrayed over the course Please of Star Wars. Please do not films. read it to me. A tridactyl foot would only have three toes, but this version only has appeared once in the Phantom Menace, whereas the puppet used in the Empire Strikes Back with Ryan, the Jedi, as well as the digital model. I don't want to hear this. I don't want to know it. I don't want you to read it to me. I don't care. I'm going to go get a drink. Ambiguously in the fourth toe, a prehensile heel of some kind. Everything is anatomically possible. Possible. The clear presence of absence of a fourth toenail is some of the matter, but the angle of the shot makes it impossible to see whether one is there. If the fourth rear-facing digit is a toe, then the other species have antheosodactyl feet. Oh, she's gone. Oh, she got sake. I told you I was going to get a drink. I can't do the rest of this sober. Want to hear this instead? Uh, sure. <laughs> Regardless of how many toes you have. Regardless. This sounds like people arguing about whether or not we have five fingers or three fingers, a pinky, and a thumb. Well, if it would be, if we'd have to argue about it, if it was inconsistently portrayed in the media that we're featured in heavily. I don't want to argue about that. Nobody should be arguing about that. Shut up. Stop it, nerds. Nerds, shut up. Talk about Yaddle instead. Cripes. Hell yeah. Anyway, 
that's about Yoda species. So you saw it was kind of holiday related at the end. It sort of was. You had one image of Yoda dressed up like Santa and that makes it holiday That was related. official. Now should we talk about what we're doing next week? No, we should talk about our hot takes, dingus. First we gotta talk about the hot, the hot, the hot, the hot, the hottest take. Ooh, baby. Joanna, what, what hot take do you have from Lord of the Rings this week? All right, well, this is by a Reddit user called Zanzibar Book Book McFate. Love it. Um, Here we go. It bothers me ever so slightly that Tolkien's world doesn't work. What do the elves of Lothlorien do with their night soil? That means Wait, night soil. shit. They're pooping. What do they do with their shit? They gotta poop. Where are the orc farmers? What keeps the lower hobbit classes from peaceful revolution against the landed gentry like Bilbo? It's a detailed world, but it's not a consistent world. In the main, this has had no bearing on my enjoyment of the books. It's just very, very rarely Galadriel turns up and I find myself wondering where she poos. This person later took criticism for wanting to know irrelevant things Hot about Galadriel where, where Galadriel shits and why there's no uh, socialist revolution in Hobbiton. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and he rejoined with, well, Tolkien tells us all kinds of irrelevant things about languages and lineages, and that could be cut out too. <laughs> I would rather know about the lineage of Numenor than I would like to know about Gal- where Galadriel shits. So who posted this and where? This was posted on Reddit three years ago. By who? I told you, Zanzibar Book Book McFate. Of course, that classic guy. The classic guy that we all know and love. And then somebody who was later so chastened by their own hotness of their own opinion that they deleted their account oh, says, dang. you sound like Georgia R. Martin wondering what Aragorn's tax policy was. <laughs> I do wonder what it was. Wow, that's a bad take. That's so dumb. Why would you worry about that? that I don't know. All right. So I have another hot take also from Reddit. We're kind of taking a break from the Yahoo Answers this week, it seems like. Um, it's a post on our Star Wars on Reddit by a user called Bad Juju Highway on December 9th, 2019. This is a very recent hot take. Okay. And it's called, What are the Legal Implications? Oh, God. All right. So if the rise of Skywalker ends up being awful, it probably will be. What would the legal ramifications be if the fan base effectively claimed Star Wars for itself? For instance, what if they created a quote-unquote council or a voting process for determining what was and what is not canon, ignored everything Disney put out, or said unless it was good and people purely followed legend material? Effectively open sourcing Star Wars through a loophole. I mean, I'm sure you have to pay to use a Star Wars name and everything, but how far could I take it? Not very far, because it's owned by Disney, you dumb chuckle F. So after Rise of Skywalker ends up being awful, like it will be, they're going to retake Star Wars and make it, you know, make it a, a, a And they're going to make it really source. good, because the kind of guys who sit around on the internet complaining about Star Wars all day are definitely the kind of guys I trust to make good, engaging, compelling media. Yeah, guess what? If they make it open source, I'm going to go in and add Master Kung Fu. I'm going to go in and add, uh, I'm gonna add uh, Jackson, Jackson as a major character. Jackson definitely is going in there. I'm going to add um, uh, Darth Icky, Master Bates. All the friends are going to be in it. Uh, Hell, I'm going to put Frodo in it. Frodo, yeah, why not? It's open source now. We took it back from Disney because that's a thing you can do. Well, the council might not vote on that, but we'll see what happens. The council. I mean, you're free to do that. It's called fan fiction. So Bad Juju Highway, this is a pretty spicy take. Uh, A really stupid idea. I've got really bad indigestion from how spicy this stupid ass take is. So. Did anybody like make fun of him? Let me check, actually. I only have the, I only screen cap the post. Let me go back and look. It's been a few days. I want to see if any. I hate a lot of Star Wars fans so much they are so goddamn tiresome all they do is complain about how much they hate star wars like i don't want to i wish they just go okay here's his post five days ago oh he deleted it 
No! All right, so, so he must have so, gotten quite a bit of pushback. Here we go. Here's some responses. This is by Loki Isa. This is legitimately the stupidest fucking thing I've read on this website, <laughs> bar none. Like, holy fuck. That's also basically my. Here's a good response from Devil Sham Devil, sir. This is a McDonald's. (laughs) Cats and blankets posted. I don't know when you're embarrassing me. (laughs) It's very embarrassing. So so tell us which which take is stupider. Um, Where does Gladriel poop? Or or no, where where Gladriel poops is at at least minorly undercutting my enjoyment of the book. Yeah. Yeah, I need to know where she poops. Where Where's the dang elf poop? Where does the poop go? We want to know. And where'd the poop go? And should Star Wars fans be able to be in charge of Star Wars and Disney won't do anything about it? Because the poop-poop. magic. Because yeah. open sourcing isn't popular. Go on our Facebook, What's Lightsaber's Precious. You can find us on there. You can email us, all that fun stuff. You know all of our addresses and things. Uh, next time our episode comes out, we'll probably do a holiday thing. Even though we skipped our, our anniversary. Maybe it's kind of an anniversary uh, It's an anniversary slash holiday. It's like holiday. all winters rolled together. It's You're going to like it's it. It's a real festival. I found some real good material this year. Yes, yeah, so we will talk to you next time. Enjoy this one. And I'll see you on Fortnite, everybody. I'm flossing. I'm flossing. I'm flossing. Please don't go on Fortnite, everybody. I got a Later, Hoblox. Even some flossing, flossing, flossing. Hey!